Welcome to Keep You 100 Radio. I'm your host, Felicity Pointer, type 1 diabetic, certified health coach, personal trainer, and founder of Needles and Spoons Health and Wellness. Inside this podcast, you'll find the real and raw conversations around diabetes management, including the lessons that we don't learn in our endos office, my best tips and trainings, and conversations from the experts that I trust inside the community so that you can create more predictability in your diabetes management and feel empowered while doing so. Let's dive in. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Keep 100 Radio. Today is a little bit different than anything that we've normally done, um, but we have Val Garcia here with us. She is my co-coach inside of Keep 100 and my personal like type one soul sister. So really excited to throw you into this, Val. I literally texted her last night at like, I don't know, it was like 6 p.m. Eastern. And I'm like, hey, want to do a podcast tomorrow? And you're like, let's do it. <laughs> Pretty much how it goes. But we thought that today would be really fun to take some questions from um, Instagram that we've been getting and kind of turn it into a free coaching session in a way. And if you do not know us, like we do, there, I feel like there's a big misconception online about coaching and what it is. And I wanted this to be a little bit of insight into how we do things because there's a lot of misconception that coaching is very solution-oriented and it's very prescriptive and it's kind of telling you how to do X, Y, and Z. And when you literally look up the definition of coaching or you go through a certification program, you learn that it's very different. It's all about asking questions, being a sounding board. Of course, accountability is in there, but it's really about asking those questions to break down, you know, break down those problems and see how you can come up with a solution together. So you'll kind of notice inside of the this episode, we're not here to give solutions. We're not here to just give you the answers and just say, okay, just like bolus this way or, you know, this is how you treat your blood sugars. It's very much like these are considerations. These are questions that I would ask and it's here really to gear you to finding your own solutions. And that's kind of what we have found. It really makes coaching personalized, even when you're in a group setting, even when you're listening to a podcast. It's a really easy way just to say, like, this is how you can individualize diabetes. And I feel like that's something that's so missing from the like the healthcare system and from books and from all the things. But yeah, Val, do you want to <laughs> I kind of like just talk about do you want to introduce yourself since you'll be Yeah, of course. Hello, everyone. Yes, I am a coach inside of Needles and Spoons. And today we're going to be kind of doing a free coaching session. But what's so cool is that I think what brings a lot to why I love coaching too is because I've also been a client before. And I think having the client experience gives a lot of perspective on once you sat in that seat, it's a lot easier to help others kind of feel like the driver in that seat too. And just like reflecting on everything that Lissy just said on like, what is coaching? Because I think you're right. A lot of people think of any service as like, I'm just going to get the answer and that's it. And honestly, like at a doctor's office, like you get so reliant on that experience of like, I go there and I ask these six questions that I wanted answered and then I just leave. Now it's kind of what it is. That's literally what we do. I remember myself like writing down all the questions I wanted to ask and like I wanted answers to. But when you're Working in the space of coaching, it is like a different type of exchange because I think it allows you to gain that independence and empowerment to feel like you are in the driver's seat and in control of your experience with your diagnosis. Because if I'm sitting here every day being like, hmm, what would Coach Lissy do? Or what would this coach do? You know, that that doesn't allow me to have that independence in my own 
you know, relationship with diabetes to be like, hey, actually, what would I do based on all the experiences I've had, all the patterns I've seen, all the strategies I've tried? Like, what would I actually do in this spot? And it allows us to reflect in such a different way. So, yeah, I agree. I think coaching is such a special, magical experience. And once you've had it, you're just like, whoa. And really, at the end of the day, it's all the work that you're putting in there. You're just having this guidance along the side. And it's just an encouraging space. So I'm excited to answer some of your guys' questions in the way that we work with our clients um, because it is a fun um, exchange and it's a back and forth. And it's not just a do X, Y, and Z and you're going to get this result. Because we all know that's not the case. We're all individuals and we're all living different experiences amongst so many different variables in our life. And what a boring podcast episode that would be. I'm like, oh yeah, just do this. And yeah, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> We've had clients that would ask like, you know, oh, what would you do in this scenario? And like, I've literally said, like Val, you've heard me say this before. It's like, doesn't matter what I would do. And it's like kind of made the reaction is it's like, oh, well, I guess not because you're right. Like it's very individualized. So Let's, yeah, let's dive in because we got some good questions. Um, there were some more that we're actually going to create some new podcast episodes on. So like next week, you'll hear us talk about some holiday hacks and all the things coming up. But we really boiled it down to like three main questions that we thought were really um, important and fun to address today. So let's let's dive in. Yeah, we're diving in. And yes, I love when you ask that question. <laughs> I love it because it does. It makes you pause and you're like, wait a minute. What are these like environmental things that I'm thinking are going to give me the answer and that matters so much, but really it comes from ourselves. So I love when you ask that. (laughs) Okay. So our first question today is how do I use bolus strategies for MDI beyond just pre-bolus? Right. And I think this is such an important question because we are simply taught, like when we're going into a healthcare setting, we're pretty much taught like carbs plus insulin equals your blood sugar outcome. And the longer that we live with diabetes, the longer that we're troubleshooting this and we start to realize there's way more than we're not taught. And we're kind of like, I feel like we're taught that the pump is like the holy grail to insulin management, especially as they're becoming more automated. And while they can be really supportive, I do think that it's really important to understand how your boluses are contributing to your blood sugars at the end of the day, because that's what puts us in control. So again, like with this question, I'm not just going to be like, hey, you know, you can do this, this, and this. Because at the end of the day, that's not going to help you. What's going to really support you in this is understanding what questions to ask, when to know, you know, how to, like, what to take action on and how to reflect for next time when you can troubleshoot a little further. So when it comes down to, like, strategies outside of MDI to just then just pre-bolusing, I would ask, you know, one, if I'm having a meal, what type of meal is this? So yes, while we're traditionally taught that just to count your carbs, what I've learned over the past few years and what Jess really teaches inside Keep 100 is that we're looking at our whole plate. And while at first that can feel really overwhelming of like, oh shoot, now I have to look at all the macronutrients. I have to look at how many grams of fiber, protein, fat, carbs, all the things. It's actually like, I just look at it as like, what is the breakdown and what's the main component of this meal? So like, what is this combination doing to my blood sugars? So for example, like a high carb, low, high carb, low protein meal is going to impact me a lot differently than say like a high carb, high fat meal. And once you know how to like look at your plate in that way, it start, you start to realize like, okay, my insulin timing matches a lot differently. So based off of that, then I would ask like, how has this meal impacted me before? 
I mean, this is kind of the beauty in the trial and error process. I love, like I always say, I would rather eat a meal 20 times and figure out how to make it work than just eat it once, see that it didn't work and completely avoid it. So, you know, starting to learn, like, how has this meal impacted me before? Does my blood sugar spike right away? Am I spiking, you know, two hours after I eat, four hours after I eat? How does that compare to the macronutrient breakdown? And like, how can I kind of correlate these two? And then from there, I'd break it down even more and say, how can I match this with my insulin timing? And I think that's like the most powerful question because we're really taught like, okay, just doesn't matter when you take your insulin. I was taught like, eat and then take it so I know how many carbs I ate. And while I understand the intention behind that tool, nobody really taught me like, you're still going to see a big blood sugar spike when you do that. So like, how can we combat that a little bit better? And that to me, like really helped me see less fluctuation in my blood sugars because I started seeing how these two tools are pairing together. So when it comes to like MDI itself, like there's tools that you can use to then, you know, answer or follow up from those questions. So like, yes, pre-bolusing, of course, is one of those tools, taking your insulin before your meal. But there's also like different manipulations that you can do based off of um, what like meal you're having or what trend that you're seeing. So um, again, we're kind of taught that like the pump is this like holy grail of insulin dosing because there is a little bit more that you can do, but that doesn't mean that you have to just, you know, do something that you're not comfortable with and be on a device that you're not comfortable with. So um, like you can you can manipulate extended bolusing with like micro doses or split boluses. And while those take a little bit more tracking, a little bit more intention, they can be really powerful and give you the same result as a, um, you know, as an insulin pump. So like outside of bolusing, I do like to consider the other factors because again, when we're looking at a holistic point of view with um with your blood sugars and with blood sugar management, there's a lot of other things that can impact our blood sugars outside of just that insulin dosing. So inside TB100, we're, we're teaching people how to really consider those other things. Like pre isn't always a, we're actually going through this with a client right now where she's like, I don't even know when my lunch will be. I just know like I get the, the go ahead to go. And sometimes I can pre sometimes I can't. So like, what are other tools that I can bring in? So this doesn't matter if you're on MDI, this doesn't matter if you're on an insulin pump, but you can always look at other things of like asking the question, how can I slow down this meal so that I can pair that insulin timing with with my meal and with the blood sugar spike? So we do have a whole nother podcast episode on this that specifically talks about this, um, but and that I'll, I'll link that in the show notes, but it's all about how to uh, beat the spike without a pre-bolus. Um, but some of those tools can include like even going as far as like drinking a cup of water before eating. I do this every every morning before eating breakfast because I'm like, this can just really support my blood sugars right now. And it kind of like slows me down in a way too, gives me an extra minute or two before actually eating my meal. Um, other things include like movement after eating. If this is something that feels good for you, I'm not a fan of like squatting in the bathroom after a meal just to bring your blood sugars down. But if you're somebody who's like, I went out to dinner and now I want to go for a walk because it feels good and I need some fresh air, then I do think it can be a really powerful tool to use. And then the last one that we talk about all the time is adding into your meal. So like you'll find a lot with type 1 diabetes, you're kind of taught take away from your meal, restrict things, but we're all about like, what can I add in that can slow this down. So you'll hear, like, we have a whole episode on the PFS method. 
um, and that it stands for adding in protein, fat, and fiber to slow things down to, again, match that insulin timing. So you do have so many options of what you can do. It's just all about, again, going back to those questions and asking, what like what does this meal need from me? What does my body need from me for this meal to get the most optimal outcome? So yeah, as you can see, it's not as simple as just like, these are your bolus options and going on your way. It does take a lot of intention and breaking things down. Yeah. And I love this question also because when we think of like, okay, what are my tools or strategies? We often think of just bolus strategy, right? We just think like, how can we manipulate insulin to work for us? Or how can I use different strategies with how I'm actually dosing? But as we can see here and just like this question and breaking it down with those questions, there's so many variables outside of that, that we are in our control that we can do like the drinking water, going for a walk. And I know personally, one of my big things at the time, I think I was on MDR, maybe just transitioning to a pump when I started with Lissy as a client, that was a huge one. I was having these spikes at lunchtime. I also wasn't always having a huge um, window to do a pre-bolus. And I was just learning what pre-bolusing was. And all I did was either add a walk for like 10 minutes, which also felt nice to leave my desk, um, either before lunch or after. And just that practice alone was so impactful on my lunch experience and my lunch experience after. Um, so I love um, to sometimes look way outside of just like insulin and carb counting because it actually feels a lot better. And sometimes there are things that we actually love to do, right? We like to be outside. We might love to go on walks. And so it's just like adding these habits in with um, our strategy outside of just, yeah, putting in the dose and just like kind of feeling frustrated that you're kind of in a box with what you can do. And this kind of lets you walk outside the box and look at other areas. Yeah, exactly. And like, I used to get really overwhelmed by being like, oh, I have all these options. Like there's too many options and you're really overwhelmed by it. But now I feel like it's really empowering because I know how the options are going to affect me and how like it just gives you more freedom. It gives you more choice. And we've talked about that a lot in another episode as well. But like having more choice and what you get to choose from and what feels good for you in that moment just adds a whole nother level of ownership, I think, over your management and just over the diagnosis as well. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. And you want to have that option and that choice when the environment may be, may be different, right? Like maybe I'm not at work having lunch, but I'm, you know, on a really long car ride or just the environment is different. So it is nice to have, yeah, like you said, that freedom of choice. Yeah. Um, okay. Next question. Question number two. This question is tips for post-exercise rebounds on like runs or hikes, especially with high fat, high protein meals or no food. Yeah, this one is great because I feel like we've all experienced this in one way or another. And personally, like I was told with exercise, hey, keep your blood sugar over 150, um, prepare for to see a blood sugar drop and just kind of like move, you know, just watch your blood sugar monitor, make sure that you don't go low. But in reality, like nobody's teaching us how to navigate it when the, the highs do happen, because that is something really common depending on the intensity of your exercise, depending on how long you're working out. We have to remember that like when we're working out, especially for things like runs and heights that might be over several hours, your body is expending a lot of energy. It's it's using a lot of that glucose that's in your body. So eventually your body needs to replenish itself, replenish that energy. So that's where you see some more of that glucose dump, maybe so, um, that liver dump you might hear it called. And that's where we can see a pretty common blood sugar spike. And you're, it, sometimes it comes out of nowhere. Sometimes it's immediate. 
Um, but we need to know how to conquer that. So then, you know, we're not getting frustrated by our workout and we can just kind of, you know, actually enjoy that recovery period. So here again, going back to the questions, we're always answering questions with questions. So these are things that I would be considering in that moment. I would consider, you know, if this is something that you do frequently, how long after your run or your your hike are you seeing that rebound spike? Is it something consistent? Is it something that you really haven't um, like looked too far into? And now is NetWise a really great opportunity to get curious. This is actually part of the reason why we developed the TP100 journal because there's so many of these different areas, right? Like exercise being one of them, that there's a lot of different variables that we can't keep track of in our like Deathcom app or just like an ordinary tracking sheet. So we developed one for each area of your blood sugar management exercise being one of them. So if you haven't really like dive in, dived, divin, driv, drop that, dove, dove, dove. I don't know, like mouthing dove. If you have no. this is how these go. If you haven't gotten to dive into like this specific area and you wanted to kind of get curious about that specific trend, that can be a great resource for you. But I would ask, yeah, so how long after your run or your hike are you typically seeing that rebound spike? Is it consistent? Are there any consistencies at all with those variables? Then I would kind of take it a step further and ask, how long after my meal am I going for that runner at the hike? So this is really important because when we are exercising in any way, our body needs to put all of its energy into the working muscles, right? So that's where we see your digestion is slowing down. Your body's not really putting energy into things like um, your digestive system, your like your bladder, like you're not really like using the bathroom, things like that. It really wants to get your heart pumping, your your lungs, uh, you know, getting oxygen flow and wants your muscles to keep working. So your digestion is going to slow down during exercise. So it's really important that we're giving ourselves adequate time in between your meal before and your run or your hike so that, you know, on top of uh, whatever rebound spike you might see after, you're not seeing also your food kind of hitting you at one time. And we've seen that with a lot of clients too, of like, They'll kind of eat. They want to keep their blood sugar up. So they'll go right for their run after and actually allowing like an hour or two in between those two activities can be really impactful as well. Um, so then I would ask also like, what's the breakdown of that meal before? I know in this question, it was said like, you know, especially with high fat, high protein meals. And like, again, keeping in mind that things like protein and fat digest slower um, inside the body. So keeping that in mind on top of that slower activity digestion can lead to that delayed spike as well. So you can kind of see how multiple factors can kind of contribute to one uh, one trend. So this is where like I really try to with our clients like say, okay, what can we do to break down the variability? So is there a factor here that we can kind of nip in the butt <laughs> off the bat? So like, is it that we take our meal from 10 minutes before to an hour before and see if that changes anything? Is it something where instead of like super high protein and super high fat, we kind of maybe change the, the makeup of that meal and see if that makes a difference? There's ways to break it down so that you're not just left with, okay, all these different things are contributing to this trend and I don't even know where to start. So that leads me to the last consideration question of like, what tools do you ha have to conquer this? So what have you done in the past to conquer this? Is this something where you're just taking a correction? Um, how does your rest look like after? Like all these different things I would kind of consider of what maybe is or not working right now and asking why. Why is that? And what can I do 
to build on top of this just based off of the other questions that we asked. I loved this. Those are like the best questions ever. I feel like even in that moment that you're reading all these questions off, I was just thinking about like the other day when I went on a run and just asking myself these and even like saving these questions in a space where like it just allows you to have that time to reflect. I think a lot of times with our diabetes, it's so fast, right? Like numbers are shifting from minute to minute. We're getting alerts, like everything's so fast with diabetes. And sometimes we're having to make fast decisions or a lot of decisions all at once. So having a space or giving yourself even that five minutes to ask yourself these questions can be super impactful just alone in that. I think taking the time to look back at something. I know there's been times where I played soccer and my blood sugar was totally different the way it reacted one day versus the next Sunday when I played the next game. But being able to take like just a little moment to reflect on it and think about what did I eat? And just breaking it down that way. Like, what did I eat? What was the movement different? Did I play longer this game than I did last game? Like, what was I even hydrated before I went into this game? You know, how was I feeling? Um, so yeah, these questions are great. And yeah, I love how we always say, like, when you're coaching, it's just asking a bunch of questions because that's really where you get to the sweet spot of like, who am I in this diagnosis? And what would I do? And what feels best for me at this time? Right, exactly. And like, at the end of the day, I like I know it's always said like oh, I did everything the same and I had two completely different outcomes. But at the end of the day, like there are common variables into what led to that outcome, and it's just all about really finding what those variables are and how we can manipulate them. I, I think especially with exercise, it's all about having again more choice and options. Like you were always taught, manipulate your blood sugars based on your activity. So you know, bring your blood sugars up to you know, expect the low after. But in reality, like there's a lot of other things that we can manipulate that give us more freedom in the activity that we're choosing. So I think it's just all about, again, getting curious into what those variables are and seeing, you know, what we can do to manipulate them in a way that feels right, feels good for us. Yeah, 100%. Love it. Um, Okay, and we're going to jump into question three. And I love this question. Okay, so what are some boundaries you set in your relationship when it comes to type 1 diabetes? Ooh, this is a good one. And this is a tough one, too, because, like, that's the thing. We have this whole other layer added onto us than just, you know, our personality or our work ethic or our passions. And that can be really hard to kind of pass along to somebody else who isn't living with type 1 diabetes Um, I've always felt like because I was diagnosed later in life and I know like value were too, I always felt like specifically in friendships, like from high school, I felt like I was introducing, it was almost like introducing a new relationship. Like you come home from college with a new boyfriend. It's like, that's what I felt like coming home from college with diabetes. I was like, (laughs) meet, meet this other side of me, meet my other half. And it's kind of like that too with dating. Like I started dating Jordan after, you know, a few years being after diagnosed. So it was a very kind of like gentle introduction of this is this other part of me take it or leave it and then of course you have to nurture that relationship as it goes along it's not just the fact that they know about diabetes it's how can they support you in your relationship with diabetes so it's this big (laughs) three-way relationship (laughs) in a way um so like me and jordan specifically like we like over the past few years we've done a really great job I think with this he's done a really great job with supporting me and like it honestly comes pretty natural to him because he's just like I don't know he's just that type of person but that doesn't mean that it hasn't been difficult to navigate all on the way so like I've had to ask myself 
really interesting questions of like those considerations. So like what responsibilities can I delegate delegate to him to make things easier? Um, Like when do I need space? How do I ask for that space? Um, At what times do I need the most support? And like what can he do to lend that support? And like not only that, but I think the communication piece is really like that's a tough part too. Um, I actually like I, I talked about this on TikTok and like before sharing, I always get his permission to share. But like we um like we have two dogs. So before bed, this is a scenario that happened like a week and a half ago. But like before bed, um, we always let the dogs out just so then they make it through the night, you know, whenever. But um I would, you know, we were getting into bed and I kind of asked him like, oh, when were the dogs out last? And he's like, oh, probably like eight o'clock. Like they'll be fine. Like, you know, like they'll make it till the morning. It's not that big of a deal. And in my mind, I felt really kind of like unseen in a way because I was like, well, okay, I had just restarted my depth calm. So like this was at 10, 10 o'clock at night. I was like, I know I'll be up in two hours to double check that this is accurate. Um, I know that when they don't go out at night, like right before bed, they wake up earlier. So I knew that there were already multiple times I would be up in the middle of the night on top of what if I have a low blood sugar? What if my alarms go off multiple times? I need to calibrate, you know, all of these things that I was considering as a person living with diabetes and that I knew that he didn't need to think about. And I had to really like sit with myself because at first I was immediately kind of annoyed, right? I'm like, oh, he's not thinking about that. Like he doesn't need to think about it. I need to think about it. But like it was kind of an opportunity for me to like sit with myself and be uncomfortable and be like, why does this feel frustrating right now? And how can I like, I had to understand that it's not a bad thing that he doesn't need to consider these things, right? Like it's not, that's not his fault. So how can I communicate with him in a way that's like safe for him and not accusatory and just in a way that helps him understand and doing that and kind of leaning into that, I think has been really helpful for our relationship because like there's so many fights that can stem from diabetes, right? Like we can get annoyed, we're frustrated, we're dealing with all these highs and lows and we're overstimulated and just kind of asking like, how can I make this safe for the other person as well so that they can support me? And guess what happened? Like I, I, you know, told him how I was feeling immediately. He's like, I 100% get it. I'm so sorry. He let the dogs out. And guess what? The next night he did the same thing. He's like, I made sure that the dogs went out before we went to bed so that you can, you know, you can have a restful sleep. And like, I don't know. I just think that letting them into our world instead of just assuming that they know what we're feeling is really like that to me is a boundary or that like that to me is like my way of setting those boundaries in a way. Yeah, I love that. Oh, my gosh. I can think of so many situations like in the same, you know, just kind of the same thought process of that um, with my partner, too. So I agree. I think having the boundaries in that way is so powerful. Um, when I think of this question, I think of like, I'm thinking of right now, like my personal boundaries with my relationship with diabetes. So definitely, I think a big thing. So in the beginning, when I was diagnosed, I always was like, I'm going to do what I've always done in the same way, no matter what. Like I was just so stuck on like, I'm never going to be stopped or slowed down by diabetes. But what I realized was when I was doing that, I wasn't considering that my mind and my headspace is holding so much more than it was before that my energy was um, changing based on what these blood sugars were doing and feeling inside my body. And so I was kind of pushing myself constantly to burn out because I was trying to be the same person when I wasn't the same person anymore, which isn't a bad thing, right? We evolve as people. 
all the time. Like last month, I would say I was a different person than I am today. You know, that's just kind of how it goes in life. But I think with my boundaries now, like a big question I like to ask myself, and I think it's just a good question to ask is whenever I'm feeling any kind of way, I always just like pause for a little bit. And I'm like, wait, is this a time to zoom in where I'm looking at baselines? I'm looking at all these numbers and I'm looking at all the patterns. Or is this actually a time where my body needs a zoom out? Like maybe the alerts are annoying me or maybe like I just have too much on my plate right now and I'm doing so many things and my energy is in different spaces. Like maybe I just need like a little break or time to zoom out with. And for me, that looks like sometimes just like widening the range of my alerts so that I could just have less of them, which gives me more space to be present with whoever I'm with or whatever I'm doing. So one of my favorite questions, whenever I'm feeling any kind of way or diabetes is coming up and maybe it's overwhelming me or I'm in a spot where I'm just thinking about it a lot, that's like the first thing I ask is, is this a time to zoom in or is it really a time to zoom out? And that alone can have so many questions after that. If I'm like, this is a time to zoom out, then I shift to, okay, what can I do for myself to zoom out? Like what is okay to do, but still makes me feel like I'm showing up for myself and taking care of my body. So I kind of start asking my questions that way until I get to one thing Or one thing that I might want to shift in that time to just alleviate some of that headspace or energy that's going into my management. Um, And the other thing with boundaries, too, I think a lot is, you know, the word no always has to have this like heavy feel to it. But I've learned over time that the energy I put into a yes and then the energy and I put into a no, they're just as powerful as the other and they're both okay to have. Um, And like Lissy was saying with my partner sometimes, I feel like, oh, I got to do all the things with him because that's just like the day. But I might be having a morning where it was kind of rough or I had a breakdown in the morning or I'm just really tired because I didn't sleep. There was alerts going off or I had to take my dog out. You know, I might be tired and I forget that those are all contributing factors to like why I'm feeling tired in that moment. But I always have to be like, whoa, instead of taking it out on him to be like, oh my gosh, why are we doing all these things? Like, I'm too tired to really let myself process that first and create that space and create that boundary. Because more times or like more often than not, anytime I create a boundary around my diabetes and my relationship with it, all the other people that are impacted on the outside of that are okay with it. And they totally understand because everyone, whether you have diabetes or not, have to have some sort of boundaries for yourself or we're just not going to feel good and we're going to constantly feel depleted. And that's just not how anyone wants to feel. So yeah, boundaries is a great one. I think this is a great one to practice also. You can practice this like when you're out in a social event, right? Like what are my boundaries here? Like, do I want to talk about diabetes if people ask me about it? Or maybe that's something I just don't even want to go there today. So how can I respond to people in a polite way or a friendly way? Or Um, Do I need boundaries with my diabetes management when I'm at the gym today? Like, I don't want to fully consume me. Like, what strategies can I use to make me feel okay when I walk into this gym? So just like having your own way of looking at creating boundaries in all spaces that make you feel good. But yeah, boundaries is a great one to practice. And I feel like over the like the last couple of years, like we hear boundaries all the time, like have boundaries, like you have lack of boundaries, you know, like everyone's talking about boundaries, but It truly is, especially in our relationship with diabetes, such an important thing to practice and to kind of have in your back pocket for those days where you are feeling overwhelmed or you are feeling burnt out so that you can slow down and give yourself the space to just rest and just like digest anything you need to. Right. That's why I also don't think that boundaries are like concrete, right? Like it's not like a, I won't do this and I won't do that. Like it's never just one thing. It's very much like 
Because you're right, like it's very different every day. Like our diabetes is different every day. Our relationship and our connection to diabetes and how we feel about it is always so different. So like how can we, it's just like how can we communicate what we need in that time? And I was actually I was scrolling through TikTok last night and there was um, a girl who, and I wish I remember the creator's name, but she was kind of talking about like some advice that her sister gave her, gave her in terms of like dating and relationships. But it was um, like when you're, you're talking to somebody and you're not sure kind of like their commitment, whatever. It was like, you can, if they ask you, oh, like, do you want to come over or whatever? You can say like, I'm not willing to come over, but I'm willing to do this. Like, I'm willing to go out to dinner, whatever. I think it's like kind of a similar thing of like, you know, when your blood sugar is high and somebody is saying like, oh, well, like, why don't you just go for a walk? Or why don't you just like, just do this? And, and you know, if you're not feeling that in the moment, it's like, I'm not willing to do this right now, but I am willing to do this. Like, Maybe your partner wants to go out and your blood sugar is really high for the fourth time that day. It's like, I'm not willing to go out right now, but I am willing to spend time by cuddling on the couch and watching a movie tonight. And it's just, again, it's not about the no. It's just like, how can we still connect with our partner and spend time with them, but still honor the needs that we have because we're living with this extra component? Um, I don't know. It's just like a different way of looking at it for me. Yeah, I love that. That's such a great like question to ask yourself of just like, yeah, maybe I don't want to do that one thing, but maybe I have energy to do something else right now. And that can still be just as fun or just as important, or it can be that quality time that we're wanting, but it might just not be that first option that we had. And going back to just having that freedom um, to have options and choices and everything that we do, we're doing. Um, but yeah, I really love this question. I think it's important to really know, you know, what are some boundaries that are, you know, relevant for you even just today? Right. Right. Like what feels good for you today? Like is today a day where you actually would like to go to bed earlier? So how can you create that boundary of like, all right, want to go to bed earlier? Like, how am I going to make that possible? Like what needs to happen for this to be a reality for me today? And just start asking yourself those questions. And really, I think the beauty of having, you know, this diagnosis that is for a long time is that that relationship or those boundaries, everything's so fluid. Um, So, you know, things can change, like Lissy said, at any point. Um, which is a really cool option to have. You know, it's not that we're stuck in this one way or this one kind of mindset when we think about our diabetes. We really can shift that from this morning to this afternoon. And that's like the beauty of having options with yourself um, in your diagnosis. Yeah. Oh, I love this conversation so much. And I feel like it'll be really helpful for the holidays too. So if anybody, you know, wants to take that as part of the holiday hacks, there you go. (laughs) But this was awesome. Um, Val, thank you for being the co-host for the day. I think this was really fun. If you guys want more episodes like this where we just answer questions, definitely, you know, uh, DM me on Instagram at needles and spoons underscore and, you know, let me know what questions you have because I love this. Yeah, this was so much fun. Yeah, bring on the questions. It was really fun. I loved it. Thanks for having me.